And uh, we are thankful again for those of you who are joining us uh, through online uh, as our church family. And we've had some that are filling out welcome cards and becoming a regular part of that. We thank you so much uh, for being a part, a regular part of this church family. We want to know uh, what your needs are, and we encourage you to pray for us uh, that God will help us to make an impact. Yesterday, we did something kind of interesting. We had a, a small group of people that uh, went out not too far from us here to a brand new community, and we gave out those cards for those of you who are sitting here in the building that are sitting near you. And so at the end of service, we're going to encourage you to take a, a baggie of those cards. There's about 10, I think, in each of the baggies and uh, disperse them in your immediate neighborhood or your immediate area, your workplace, wherever you encounter those that God has placed around your lives and invite people to come and be a part of, of what's going on here at the Grace Place. And you can tell them about God Talks and refer them to that. But also on that card is our, our website and all that good information too. So grateful for you to be here today. We're looking at a couple of passages out of Scripture. One is going to be in uh, Luke chapter 16. So find your place there in Luke chapter 16. And then we also have a passage out of 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18, we'll be reading uh, verse 21. But in Luke chapter 16, we're going to read verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to skip down and read verses 10 through 13. What we want to talk about today is, is living, I've titled this Living Between Two Worlds. Living between kind of two kingdoms. For those of us, we just came out of this series on being saved and being born again. And what does it look like? My, my dad uh, was a minister, a pastor, and I can remember him saying, saying it this way a lot of times, that we are trying to hang on to God with one hand and, and, and the world with the other hand. And uh, it, there's no living there. There's no sense of balance or security in that kind of living. We do that consciously and subconsciously. And so I want to invite you uh, to take a realistic look at this with me uh, today as we go through the passage. My assignment is to help you understand the difference between the kingdom of men and the kingdom of God and where uh, we can notice that we are living in his kingdom and where we can see when we have strayed and we live in man's kingdom. The passage out of uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 1, there was, just to, for the setting of what we're going to read here, that you might understand what this is about, parable that Jesus is telling, Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 1, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And so he called him and he said to him, What is this I hear of you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Skipping down uh, to verse 10, that same story, Jesus gives the summation here of what the story is all about. This is the punchline, right? He says, whoever is faithful with very little will also be faithful with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will entrust you 
with true riches. And if you have not been faithful with the belongings of another, who will give you the belongings of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Father, we come to you today inviting you to open our hearts. Thank you for your, your, the word, uh, the time that we spent in worship that was ministering to us, get, coming in and into your kingdom and worshiping you. There's no other way that, except we come by spirit and in truth that we might worship you. And so if we have experienced worship today, it's been because we have been in your kingdom. We have been standing on your territory. And Father, we thank you for that, that we can, that you've invited us, that you paid the price for that. And we ask that you would open our hearts and our understanding that we might better know the difference between the kingdom of men and the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a story... um, a film, actually, that was titled, what we have titled the message today, Between Two Worlds. It was in 1944, and I was going to read for you uh, the synopsis of that film, and I hope you can track along with me with all the characters what this film was really all about. The setting is during the World War II. It's a diverse group of people in war-ravaged London, and they book a passage for the United States. But Australian pianist-turned-soldier in the resistance, Henry Bergner, is unable to join them for one of an exit permit. Searching the streets for him during uh, a German air raid, his wife Anne witnesses a bomb that obliterates a car full of passengers that are on their way to the docks. She returns to their apartment to find that Henry has turned on the gas to commit suicide. Despite his, his opposition, she joins him. And suddenly the pair find themselves on board a fog-shrouded cruise ship. Anne recognizes the other passengers as those that were killed in the bombing. The steward, Scrubby, asks them not to tell others that they are dead. It is better that they come to the realization themselves. At first, the couple is delighted to be together eternally, but find their situation unbearable as they become acquainted with the other passengers. Timid Anglican uh, priest Reverend William Duke yearns to be more actively help, yearns to more actively help others, while American merchant sailor Pete Music uh, looks forward to seeing his infant child for the first time. A kind-hearted older woman, Miss Midget, tells Thomas Pryor, a newspaper man, that she would be content with just a little place of her own and a little garden. And Pryor is uh, the first to learn the truth as when he eavesdrops on Henry and Anne. And spurned by his wealth-seeking actress companion Maxine Russell, in favor of unscrupulous war profiteer Mr. Lingley, reveals all to the other passengers. Scrubby reveals that they are to be judged by the examiner. And when the examiner arrives, he is revealed to be the deceased Reverend Tim Thomas. Someone uh, Duke has known well in his life. And Duke is given another opportunity in heaven as an examiner in training. 
One by one, the other passengers are judged and sent ashore to their fates. Wealthy Mr. Lingley discovers he can neither bribe nor browbeat his way into heaven and must pay for the suffering he inflicted. Genevieve and Benjamin Clivendale Banks are a mismatched couple. She is shallow, mercenary social uh, climber who married him for his wealth and position and was unfaithful. She is at first delighted to learn that she will reside in a castle. But then the examiner tells her she will reside there alone. Her husband had suffered his wife's infidelities because he loved her and hoped that she would reciprocate. But his love wore out, and when given the choice, declines to join her. Instead, he is to be reunited with his old chumps. Pryor tries to gamble his way into heaven by rigging a, a deck of cards. But when his sleight of hand is trumped by the examiner's powers, he demands oblivion. Instead, he is told the afterlife will be no different from his life with one exception. He will no longer be able to hide behind his deceptions. He will not be able to delude himself as to who and what he really is. And Miss Midget offers to accompany Pryor, giving up her cottage and garden in heaven. The examiner reveals after Pryor leaves the room that Miss Midget is Pryor's mother. She had given him up when he was very young so that he could have a better chance in America. Being reunited with him is her idea of heaven. Music, the sailor bemoans, not being able to see his family and his newly born child again, but is consolated when told that he will be reunited with them eventually. Finally, there is the special case of Henry Bergner. Because he committed suicide, he is doomed to remain on the ship for eternity, while Anne goes to heaven. Anne protests that her suicide was voluntary and that nothing will separate her from Henry. Anne refuses to go ashore with the examiner. And so that I can thoroughly ruin this movie for you, I'll tell you the end. They are granted by the examiner another opportunity in life to live together and start afresh. We have all been assigned an appointment by the examiner, every one of us. We will all meet with the examiner and this plot is so very real for so many today in the sense that attempting to live between two worlds is unsuccessful and that there, is a, there must be a decision and will be a decision in life. We cannot live in both of these worlds, the kingdom of men and the kingdom of God. It's impossible to try to live between the two. There is no substance there as, as is defined in this film by the ship that sails through the fog uh, seemingly endlessly across an ocean to no particular destination. It's impossible for you and I as well to, to try to live between those two kingdoms and yet it does not uh, inhibit our attempts to try to do so. To hang on to the world with one hand and to try to hang on to God with the other. 
The kingdom of men, though, we need to understand the systemic flaws in the kingdom of men. Systemic is a word that we are very familiar with in the 2020 era. And so using that language hopefully perks our ears up a bit. There's systemic flaws in living in the kingdom of men, six of them, that are talked about in Scripture. Every kingdom built has these six fatal flaws. In uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, 16 through 19, we can see them there, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. No matter what we think, whether we pursue a kingdom of men that has a religious connotation or a kingdom of men that is devoid of any kind of religion, the kingdom of men always have these systemic six flaws built into the system. And they always fail. And they are pride, lying, injustice, corruption, greed, and disunity. These systemic flaws built into all of man's kingdom show up no matter who is the leader. They show up no matter who is trying to to, uh, show the way. They are always there. Pride, lying, injustice, corruption, greed, disunity. In Luke chapter 16, beginning at, at verse 1, we read about uh, a, a steward, and, and the story begins by saying, so he called the man who was over the steward, him, and he said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. I thought it was interesting looking up original language when that section, no longer be steward. It is really uh, a, a verb that is translated, uh, no longer be the steward, the same as when we read in, in Acts chapter 2, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That power, dunamo, is uh, the, the, the verb that is kind of used in, in, in uh, unison there in both of those sections, meaning in the one instance, you, have, you receive the power, to live a life in this kingdom, and in the other instance saying, I've witnessed that you don't have the power to be the steward. You don't have the authority. You're trying to live in a, in a kingdom that gives you no authority and no power to do this. And I've found that you are wanting. You're held accountable because you have not the power to do the job that you were entrusted to do. Whoever is faithful, the passage says, with very little, will also be faithful with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little, will also be dishonest with much. And if you have not been faithful with the belongings of another, who will give you belongings of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The kingdom of man has these six flaws that are built into the system that are systematic, and they always show up. They are a part of everything that is, that is this kingdom of men. 
And ultimately, no matter how charismatic or how great or how much we believe or, or, or want to, to follow after a particular leader, these six fl fatal flaws continually show up. But in the kingdom of God, it's different. We see there these uh, evidenced in the kingdom of God, faithfulness, obedient, empowered, devoted, loving kind of a community. Living between the kingdoms means that we have surrendered to the wrong king. We've surrendered to the king you, or king I. Living in that, that uh, trying to live between the kingdoms only reveals that we are really serving ourselves. The kingdom of men, which we are followers of a particular leader, is really all about us. It's really about us enthroning ourselves. It's really about us leading our own lives. It's really about us saying, we know the best way to go. Whereas coming to the kingdom of God is about a surrender, a place of surrender uh, and following after the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Are you trying to function in two different worlds rather than to live totally for the King and his principles, allowing them to affect your life? One of the true tests that's pointed out here in Scripture, and there are others, but this is one true test that's pointed out to us to see if we are living lives in the kingdom. And that test comes with how we manage our money. How do you manage your money? How do you apply stewardship in your life? Who is ultimately in charge of you? Because the bottom line is this, if he is not Lord of all, he is not really Lord at all. Either we have surrendered and we're submissive to his lordship and leadership over our lives, or we are not. We are not surrendered to certain things in that kingdom, but not to other things in that kingdom. And it be, we begin to reveal whether or not we're, we're living fully in the kingdom or trying to live between those two worlds when we look at our obedience and our complete surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives. Stewardship is a lordship issue. Settle the kingdom you will live a surrendered life in, and you will settle how you will handle money. You will settle what kind of steward that you will be. We all have an appointment with the examiner. And often we think of these appointments at the end of life, and certainly the Bible tells us about that appointment that's coming with the examiner at the end of life that's depicted in this film, that we will stand before the examiner and we will account for our life on earth. And let's take a look at that. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. And then Matthew chapter 12, 36 and 37. These are just two of many passages in Scripture that tell us about a coming appointment with the examiner at the end of life. Here in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment. And every empty word that they have spoken, 
For by the words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. But in John chapter 16, Jesus reveals that the work of the Holy Spirit on our daily lives, on a daily basis in our life as a believer, is something that is is calling us to daily examination. And so while we know there is a coming appointment with the judge and the ruler of the universe, the Holy Spirit has been sent. Jesus told the disciples, it's a good thing for you. That you're not having to wait just to the day of judgment to have your examination. But that the Holy Spirit will work in you on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, bringing up and examining your heart. And even as David prayed in the Psalms, Lord, search my heart, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life on a day-by-day basis. So it's a good thing that I am going away to my Father, that I can send the examiner into your daily life. And here here it is. Uh, We can read it together here in John chapter 16, verse 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, and He will not speak of His own authority. But whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come, and He will glorify Me, and He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will be empowered in us to help us live for the kingdom of God successfully. Convicting us moment by moment, day by day, immediately calling us to repentance when we stray away, that examiner is checking us on a regular basis. How many of you that are a part of the kingdom of God have had a daily appointment with that examiner, the Holy Spirit? Amen? He has a way of convicting us, of bringing us, and conviction is different from guilt, isn't it? Guilt drives us away in shame and in hurt and pain and guilt uh, was what immediately that Adam and Eve experienced from the enemy when they fell in sin. They were hiding from God, but conviction brings us to God. It, it brings us into his counsel. It brings us to his throne room to repent and to turn from our, our, our lives that are leading us astray and the sinful nature and to surrender ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We open the message with a passage of scripture. Then Elijah approached all the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. How long will you, will you, Waver between two worlds, two kingdoms. I invite our worship team to come back. And I want to ask you to think through where you are in the kingdom of God. 100% committed. One of the ways that we can examine our own hearts is to think about how we treat our money. What kind of a steward are we? Stewardship really is more than just money. The Bible has a lot to say with how we handle our money. It's a way that we can act in obedience to God. 
Stewardship is stewarding of our time, of our talents, and of certainly of our treasures. When we get a good look at what we are doing in that area, we can really see how surrendered we are to living in his kingdom in obedience. God help us that we step in 100% surrendered to his lordship over our lives, holding nothing back, trying to hang on to the world uh, with one hand and him with the other is a losing proposition. God's inviting us to not try to live between two worlds, but to step into the kingdom boldly, faithfully, obediently, surrendered and living our lives for him. I want to invite those of you who are here to stand with us as we pray together. Father, wherever we have not been surrendered, if it's in the area of our finances, if it's in any area where we have been disobedient, and not doing what you've called us to do. We're trying to live between two worlds and it's not gonna work. We have a daily appointment with the examiner. The Holy Spirit is examining our hearts and right now, Lord, your spirit is moving among our people. Those who are watching online, those who are present here, your Holy Spirit is convicting our hearts, calling us to surrender and full obedience to live in your kingdom and under your authority, obeying you in everything that we say and do. God, deal with our hearts and we bring ourselves completely to you here to repent, to turn from disobedience and to obey and to pursue after you with all of our hearts, with all of our mind and with all of our strength. In Jesus' name, amen.